our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Morning, everyone. Um, so I've been given the last bit of the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Just a little light um, phrase to be working with today. Now, you um, may not know that uh, that word temptation, when you dig in, and I like to dig in, and I recommend dig in. If you've got a Bible, first off, number one, read it. Second, just dig in. Get stuff. There's loads of stuff on the internet where you can dig in and say, did it really mean that? Sometimes when you read it, you go, oh, yes, it really did mean that. And sometimes there's something behind it. Now, this word, temptation, is a Greek word. I can't attempt to pronounce it correctly, but something like perazo, which means temptation, can also mean trial, can also mean test. It's the same word. They only have one most of the time in the New Testament for all those three. So I don't particularly want to focus necessarily on the temptation bit, um, but we know that we all suffer temptations and there is a remedy for that. So because, uh, let me, let's take you to a scripture in James. Apostle James wrote this, he says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Don't hold back there, James. So that's pretty heavy stuff, you know, and it's telling you the worst that can happen to you if you really give in to your desires. And, you know, even though you're born again, we've still got this stuff. You know, we're fooling ourselves if you think when you get, become a Christian, you give your life to Jesus, that then nothing is ever going to tempt me again. Because probably half an hour, maybe a day later, all the same things for some of us that were tempting you before, they tempt you again. But the difference is you've got God inside. You've got the Holy Spirit inside you. Now, it doesn't matter whether you feel like it or not, that's what's happened. You have his spirit residing in you, which is why the Apostle Paul says, well, the remedy for this stuff is um, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh your old stuff, walk in the spirit. Now, I haven't got time to go into details of how you walk in the spirit. So something like that, that is not walking in the spirit. It's something more than physical. People dance in the spirit, don't they? I'm dancing in the spirit now. And this is dancing in the spirit. Walking in the spirit is not quite the same thing. So we won't get into that today. But this, I want to focus more on the stuff which is trials and, te and testing, trials. We all go through stuff in life. Again, you don't have to be a Christian more than possibly five minutes before some trial is going to come your way. And as a background, I won't go to the scriptures just yet, but there's a kind of a fundamental uh, precept thing, I don't know, concept, revelation, if you like, that I, I want to give you, which uh, John, the Apostle John, wrote this one, which I love. I absolutely love this verse. And it says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. 
And that, for me, is, is kind of a, a leveller. It's like a foundation you can stand on because um, <clears throat> so often I'm, I meet Christians, um, <clears throat> I'm not criticising, but I, I understand why people do it sometimes. They go, oh, I'm going to have a bit of an argument with God about this one. I'm not too happy about this. And you think, I, can't, I just don't get it because, you know, there's no darkness in him. There isn't. And he's not shady. There's no shadiness. There's no little dark bits around in God. He's completely light. There's nothing else in him. So when something happens to you in life, then it cannot possibly be some dark, shady thing sent by God. He isn't going to do it. The other thing, uh, uh, the phrase that goes with that God is light is God is love. So if he's light and he's love, he's hardly likely to land something on you. Now, even if he did think, yeah, let's just set up some devious test for my children because that'll really sort them out. Um, You know, even if he wanted to, he really doesn't have to because life has got enough stuff on its own without him having to do lift a finger. Um, Jesus himself said it, didn't he? He said, if I can find it... um, he said, in this world you will have trouble, but be, in my old, ye oldie version, be of good cheer, it says. Rejoice, be happy, because I have overcome the world. So you will have trouble in this life, but Jesus has overcome it. When did he overcome it? He overcame it when he rose from the dead. You know, we, the cross is great, but the resurrection to me, if I can say this without being heretical, is probably slightly better. If he just died, well, everyone dies, but he rose from the dead to prove that he had victory over death. So be, over, be, be happy, because I have overcome the world. Now, that's, you could say that's great for you, Jesus, but he lives in us. He lives in us by his Holy Spirit. So that's why we can call ourselves overcomers as well. So be happy, you are also an overcomer. So if we've established that God is light and in him is no darkness at all, what do we do when circumstances come, which we didn't ask for, but they're really getting to us. They could, they could be anything. You could lose your job. You could have some blazing row with your boss at work. I don't know, your car breaks down. You know, little things like that. Your tent blows down in the wind, like happened to me last week. Um, <laughs> I won't go into that one, uh, but we got through it. Uh, what do you do? I mean, let's, let's take the lesson of... Um, Here's a, here's a great one. I love this one. This is when Paul and Silas were in prison. That's a pretty bad circumstance. That's a trial. There will be a temptation. See, with trials does come a temptation. Your temptation is to give up. Your temptation is to say, God, you, you haven't come through for me. I've heard that many times. God hasn't come through. Um, uh, what do you do? What did Paul and Silas do? Well, they were sitting there in prison, chained up. They didn't write a letter to their MP. They didn't start a campaign to get them out of prison because it's very unjust. They sang. This is the last thing they should be doing, Paul and Silas. That's ridiculous, singing. And you know, that song that Lucy sang, I wrote the words down because I thought this is great. Um, It says, uh, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm, louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. And that's what happened to Paul and Silas in prison. They all heard them singing. They probably thought, crazy guys. But by their singing, they brought a breakthrough in their circumstance because they knew God was there. They knew that if you praise him in the midst of the storm, things will happen. And I want to get into this. Things will happen. It does matter what we do. You could lie down on the floor and wait for gold dust to drop on you from heaven, but sometimes it ain't going to work. 
you've got, there's something we can do as believers because we have the Holy Spirit residing in us. So Paul and Silas sang and the prison doors opened and they got out, didn't they? And the, the prayer, the prayer team back at home who are praying for them, remember that, if you read it, it's great this, uh, they go to the door and um, I think it's this one, it might be the other one when they got out of prison and, they, and the, the girl opens, the, the, I always think of it like one of those clubs and they go, who is it, you know, you know and um, give me the code word. And he says, it's, 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 it's me. And she shuts, she goes, no, it can't be you. She runs back inside. But they knew better. They know if you praise God, things can happen. Now, so what do you do when you're in a circumstance uh, and you don't know what to do? Well, this book, this is the Bible, not this particular one, but the Bible, I always think of the Bible as a book of promises. That's what it is. And we are taught, aren't we, to fight the good fight. So fighting the good fight and using this, how do we do that? How do you get through a circumstance? I mean, the other thing that James says, and this is very crucial, he says, count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, and you, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. Nothing. Count it all joy, brothers. There's, you know, you know it's true. We're all the, we're mostly the same. I've never been in a trial. I've never met someone in a trial, and the first thing they do is start skipping around the room and shouting hallelujah. That's not what we do. But James says, you don't have to do it physically. But he's really talking about um, if you get in a circumstance, you've got a huge opportunity to grow in your faith. You have a huge opportunity to become perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That's it. What? You know, I thought it was um, by just going to church on a Sunday and singing songs. I thought it was uh, listening to a preach. That's how I'm going to grow. But no, when you go through stuff, that's when you get an opportunity to grow. Um, and how do you do that? Testing of your faith. So, as I, I think I mentioned that, that verse, uh, those verses, and there's a couple of them where it talks about fighting the fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. So how do we do that? Well, we use this book. So again, in 2 Peter, Peter the Apostle writes, he says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful de desire. Great and precious promises. So uh, you, you can read, I mean, I, I urge you to read this thing, the book, the Bible. Um, I don't know when you got born again. I don't know how many years you've been born again. But within a few years, this is a challenge, you need to have read it from cover to cover. Did I just say that? You really do. Um, I, when I first time I read it through, I thought, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And you know, you read through this, this book, and sometimes, especially when you get to, I think my worst is Judges, where it just goes lists and lists and lists of borders and peoples and uh, how big the land was. You think, oh, I don't know why I'm reading this. But persevere, it does get better. There are some great things. Leviticus, that's a good one. Um, but just read through it, cover to cover. Um, and you will be amazed um, what you will find in there. And at least if you've read it at least once, then you can say, I've read it all, all the promises are there, and 
uh, and things will poke out at you and you think, I need to go back and reread that. And eventually you begin to love this thing. Um, and you see, memorising Bible verses won't do it. When you're in a trial, just knowing them won't do it. You know when um, Jesus asked Peter and he said, who, do, who does everyone say I am? Who, and, and Peter said, or they say, you're this, this. And he said, who do you say I am? And he said, well, you're the Messiah. And Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father revealed this to you. He was, he was pointing out a principle. This is what we can experience as Christians. There's a thing called revelation. It's not the book of revelation in the back. It's when a truth, when the scripture, what you read, is actually revealed to you by the Holy Spirit and it becomes real to you. And you go, yes, I see it. Yes, I believe it. That's amazing. And when that happens, that becomes more than just a Bible verse. It becomes something you can stand on and something you can pray about. See, that Lord's Prayer, in, in some ways, it's quite mysterious because um, just before Jesus says, pray, and he doesn't say, he doesn't pray these exact words, you must pray every Wednesday at five o'clock or something. He just says, pray like this. That's what he says, in, in this manner. These are the kind of things that would be useful for you to pray about. Now, these guys weren't born again. They hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit. They didn't know anything, so Jesus was giving them a really basic guide. But even before that, he said, my Father in heaven, your Father in heaven, knows what you need before you ask. So you think, why are we asking it then? Well, it's because when you pray, you engage in spiritual realms. You engage in the Spirit. And those things that Jesus said, pray, lead me not into temptation. Well, he's not going to. Deliver me from evil. Well, he is going to deliver you. These are already promises. There's loads of them in the book. Um, so you, what you're doing when you pray that is you're praying out the promises of God. You're praying and you're engaging with your faith. And that's what it takes. It takes the faith. I mean, faith is... Um, something we like to shy away from sometimes because it, it's, it's uh, one of the most difficult things we encounter. I love uh, that story in oh, when Jesus was in the boat. <laughs> this is a great one about faith. When Jesus was in the boat and they were going to cross and the disciples were there and it was all very nice and the sun was probably setting. It was all very lovely. Let's just drift across the lake to the other side. And then this storm comes up and Jesus is in a sleep in the bottom of the boat and they wake him up and Jesus calms the, 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 the storm, it all dies down. And, they, and he goes, oh, you have little faith. Or in one version it says, you, you have no faith. And you think, what, that's really, Jesus, you know, really, really? Well, that's just crazy. What were you, what were you expecting? It was a storm, for goodness sake. And to Jesus, he, he, um, it's, it was like no problem. I, th I mean, I believe he would have probably, they would have probably got to the, the, end, the other side of the lake uh, even if they'd gone underneath and travelled on, on the bottom of something, he was going to get there because Jesus knew. He had, Jesus had faith. And you see, God has faith. That sounds a bit weird to some people. You went in Genesis where he says, let there be light. Well, that was faith. God works by faith. And you'll find a scripture, one um, which is, a, again, quite a challenge to us. It says, he says, um, I think it's in Hebrews, um, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Those who, those, you must believe that he is, and he rewards those who diligently seek him. So God, he loves it when we exercise our faith, when we believe. You know, when um, uh, that the ruler of the synagogue 
his daughter was dying, and uh, Jesus says, "Right, we're gonna we're gonna raise her up," and uh, and and he goes, "Well, but she's but she's dead," and he says, "Only believe." Only believe. That's all you've got to do. Only believe. It's that faith. And I believe we have it. You know, there's something in us from God, which is that faith. So if you like, here's a technique. Find, find some scripture um, that applies to your situation and believe it. Get God to reveal it to you. I don't you know, here's, here's some great ones. That, because um, time's running out, um, Deliver, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So here's a few, a uh, couple that I like um, about deliverance. So Psalm 32, verse 7, he says, You are my hiding place. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. You can pray on that when you're in a circumstance. You can say, Lord, your word, your word says you surround me with the shouts of deliverance. So I know you're going to deliver me. Um, Psalm 91. Psalm 91 was very popular, popular in early days of COVID, which is for good reason, because it's, it's got some great stuff in about deliverance. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. So our, the snare of the fowler one I like. I love that. You know, sometimes you're flying through life and you get into some net, some bird catcher has got you and you think, what's, what's going on now? But he... Uh, will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. That's a scripture you can stand on. You know when Jesus said, um, you know that story about uh, the, the um, building a house on the rock? In that, in that uh, context, he says, he says, those who hear my words and obey them are like the man who builds his house on the rock. And when the storm comes, it's his words it's not Jesus being the rock there. It's his words, his promises, the things he said. If you base your life on those, in, when you meet some uh, trial, if you stand on that, um, then it will, you, you can get through. Things will change. This is what I'm saying. Faith will change things. You know, uh, finally, um, let me get, take you to, there's a verse in Isaiah. Uh, we used to sing a song like that, about this. Um, Isaiah 53, which we all know is the, the great um, uh, passage about Jesus on the cross. He says, <clears throat> who has, the verse 1 says, who has believed what he has heard from us? Um, and in, the, in the, the ye olde King James Version, it says, who has believed our report? I love that. Who has believed our report? And we used to sing a song years ago that said, we will believe the report of the Lord. So you have a choice. You know, when, when circumstances come and you've got, and they say something to you, because it's as if circumstances say something to you and say, this is it, this is what's happening to your life, this is where you are, and this is the hope you haven't got. Um, but the God's word, his promises, say something else. He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. Whose report you're going to believe? Which is, the, which is the one you're going to go with? And that's a challenge. Um, and I'm not saying it's easy, but sometimes you, you have to go with it, don't you? Um, knowing that he's light and there's no darkness in him and knowing that he'll never let you. I think I read that one. If not, let me read it now. He says, no temptations overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faith and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So God does know what's going on. 
and he will not let something come near you that you can't get out of, out of uh, by faith. He really won't. So you can, you can always, if, you, if nothing else, you can hang, hang your, your situation on that verse and say, well, Lord, you said, I will be able to get through this, therefore I will. And devil, therefore you're going to have to back off because God said, I can get through this. So time is up. Um, I'm going to hand over to Lucy. I don't know how you want to respond to that. Just, you know, in your hearts, just if you are in a situation which is hard, just reach out to God and say, Lord, I know you're going to deliver me because you've promised it. And if, you've, and if you want to read the Bible more, say, Lord, I'm going to read your Bible more. Well, however, you want to pray, however you want to pray, let's respond to the Lord.